Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome to The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Happy New Year and welcome to 2024. You know, New Year's is a little bit different in the United States than it is elsewhere around the world. A lot of places have beautiful fireworks. I know Tokyo, Sydney. In fact, Sydney Harbor had an amazing display this year for the 50th anniversary of the Sydney Opera House. I'm a big fireworks buff, so I like to see this as the New Year rolls through. Sydney's always first. Sydney and Tokyo are always the first fireworks. And then we roll through Western Europe and then the Northeast here. Boston, New York, and then LA and Seattle, and then finally Hawaii. So it's fun to watch the different time zones enter the new year. But what we do a little bit differently is parades, pom-pom girls and baton twirlers, and college football. You see, we've had parades for over 100 years now. The Tournament of Roses Parade is the oldest and the rose bowl game is called the granddaddy of them all for a reason that's the oldest bowl game as well but you also have the orange blossom parade that goes with the orange bowl in miami you have the cotton bowl parade you have other parades Uh, but it was always fun to wake up early and then you get to watch first the orange blossom parade on the east coast and then a little bit later 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock in the morning, the Tournament of Roses Parade comes on. And and that one's amazing because every single piece of decoration on these 40, 50 foot long elaborate floats has to be either a floral or agricultural product. So you see all sorts of flowers, flower blossoms, seeds, uh, stalks, grass stalks, et cetera. And they're so artistic and every year completely different. It literally takes them all year to do. And it's just an art form that's uniquely American. And then, of course, the football games. Well, college bowl games have changed a lot since I was a wee lad. Used to have some also-ran bowl games like the Astro Blue Bonnet Bowl, which is held in Houston, which is home of NASA's Mission Control. And the Blue Bonnet is the Texas state flower, so they called the bowl game on New Year's Eve, the Astro Blue Bonnet Bowl. Well, that's no longer on New Year's Eve. And you had the Peach Bowl and you had a whole bunch of others. And they came along more and more as they realized that they were money-making propositions, mostly. You had the Cherry Bowl. I went out to that in Detroit one year. Syracuse ended up getting housed by the University of Maryland. That only lasted two years. You've got the Pinstripe Bowl that's held at Yankee Stadium. Fenway now has a, a bowl game. And you've gotten more and more, but most of these don't matter. Um, And with the corporate sponsorship, it's gotten ridiculous because even though people still refer to it as the Orange Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, the Sun Bowl, the This Bowl, the That Bowl, now they're always the corporation you've never heard of, Fiesta Bowl. And some bowls, there's no prior bowl game. So, for example, LSU won today in the... ReliaQuest Bowl. Nobody knows what ReliaQuest is, and that's the whole name of the bowl game. But you see, you want a January 1st bowl game. 
if you're a college football program, because that's where the big Benjamins come. January 1st bowls typically pay out in the millions of dollars to each team. But now that we're developing a playoff system, only two bowl games matter today. The Rose Bowl, which is on now, it used to start at 4 o'clock. Today it started at 5 o'clock Eastern. That's the first national semifinal. And then the Sugar Bowl tonight. See, it used to start, the Cotton Bowl was at noon, the Orange Bowl and the Rose Bowl were at 4, 5 o'clock, and then the Sugar Bowl is always at 8 o'clock Eastern. Well, now, the only games that matter are the Rose Bowl that's on right now. For fans, Michigan, Alabama are tied 7-7 at the end of the first quarter. And then tonight's second national semifinal, which is the Sugar Bowl. And next year, it's not going to be the Rose Bowl. And the Sugar Bowl, they'll have two other bowls because they rotated among the big four. And next year's going to be different because we're going from four teams to eight teams. So there's going to be an extra layer of playoffs. You see where I'm going with this. And this is all a money-making operation. And that's my real point here, is that corporations have infiltrated, and this is the downside of capitalism. I'm a big capitalist, right? But corporations have gotten their mitts onto everything. They've glommed onto everything in our society, and everything now has become corporatized and run through legal and HR'd and messaged and focus grouped and this and that. CNN last night, immediately, the New York nanosecond that the ball lit up 2024, they cut to a totally spontaneous, completely staged male kissing male scene that went on and on and on. I'm 61 years old. I've never seen CNN set up a heterosexual couple for a live shot and told them to make out like their lives depended on it to examine each other's tonsils for a good 30 or 40 seconds. That never happened. And yet here we are, not a New York nanosecond into the new year, and CNN is pushing this garbage on us. This is going to be a bumpy year, so fasten your seatbelts. It's only going to get better from here. I'm Timothy Shea. This is The Reckoning. At TNT Radio, we never go home. We're committed to bringing you our take on the biggest topics of our time. We broadcast live 24-7 online globally no matter what. We've got you covered on TNT Radio. Delivering the facts. Source I can trust. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. More than 200 active service members and veterans have signed an open letter seeking accountability over the alleged harm caused by the DOD, the Department of Defense's implementation of the now rescinded COVID-19 vaccine mandate. Here with the story, joining me now is TNT Radio News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Thanks, Timothy. Yeah, flashback uh, in case you missed it. Just kidding. But yeah, back in August of 2021, the Biden administration ordered for all military members and reservists to take the COVID-19 jab or else face discharge from the military. As a result, more than 8,000 service members were rather unfairly kicked out with an unknown number choosing not to reenlist. Uh, Republicans in Congress forced the administration to rescind the mandate in the 2023 National Defense Authorization Act. However, affected veterans, service members and others are continuing their fight for accountability and restitution for time and pay 
lost. Fast forward to today, brand new year, January 1st, 2024, where we have 231 current and former service members from various branches of the United States Armed Forces coming together to sign an open letter, which was published on social media. I believe the title of the letter is Declaration of Military Accountability. I like it already. Uh, here's part of what the letter says, quote, while implementing the COVID-19 vaccine mandate, military leaders broke the law, trampled constitutional rights, denied informed consent, permitted unwilling medical experience experimentation and suppressed the free exercise of religion. Service members and families were significantly harmed by these actions. Their suffering continues to be felt financially, emotionally, and physically. Some service members became part of our ever-growing veteran homeless population. Some developed debilitating vaccine injuries, and some even lost their lives. In an apparent attempt to avoid accountability, military leaders are continuing to ignore our communications regarding these injuries and the laws that were broken, end quote. The signatories, which include candidates for U.S. Congress and other political offices, said there were, quote unquote, thousands within their network who planned to run for Congress and seek appointments to executive branch offices. They're serious, Timothy. They pledged that those who win office would remove retirement pay for military leaders, quote, who were criminally complicit, end quote, and that those who gain the authority to do so would recall military leaders from retirement and convene courts martial for the, quote, crimes they committed, end quote. Wow. The signatories running for U.S. Congress in 2024 include Mara Macy, Republican from Florida, Dennis Nate Kane, Republican from Wisconsin, Chris Colome, Republican from California, Cameron Hamilton, Republican from Virginia, Jay Furman, Republican from Texas, and Matthew Shoemaker, Republican from North Carolina. Nick Cooper is running for the uh, Cupper, sorry, K-U-P-P-E-R, running for the Arizona House of Representatives. Uh, and the signatories include veterans from every single branch of the United States military. The signatories specifically named targets. Uh, they, they named former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff Army General, retired Mark Milley, vice chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff Navy Admiral Christopher Grady, former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff General, retired James McConville, former chief of Naval Operations Admiral, retired Michael Gilday, in addition to others. It's got to suck to have your name called out on this one. Uh, they pledged that they would pursue their efforts, quote, with a long-term time horizon. Uh, here's what they wrote about this quote. This endeavor will be a continuous process with a long-term time horizon, but fulfilling our oaths to defend the Constitution requires just such persistent vigilance. Likewise, likewise, we are obligated and so commit to train those who come after us to fulfill their duty in achieving this accountability and safeguarding against such leadership failures hereafter, end quote. Timothy, to me, this is a feel-good story to start the year off, but what do you think about this one? Well, it is indeed, and I am down with all of it. There's a reason why we selected the reckoning as the name for this show. That's what we need. We need a reckoning. We need accountability. We need people to have their feet held to the fire to do what they promised to do when they ran to, for office. We need people in the executive branch that have committed crimes to face justice for those crimes. Lloyd Austin and Mark Milley are disgraces to the uniform. As disgraceful to the uniform 
as that guy in the National Uniformed Health Service. I'm not even going to say his name. We all knew who I'm talking about. These people need to be held accountable. We need justice. And good on all of those running for Congress. And you need to read this carefully because they talk about doing this peacefully. This isn't a call to armed insurrection, just like the unarmed insurrection of January 6th. And that I love the fact that they're talking about we're looking at a long time horizon because that does two things. Number one, it doesn't set false expectations. So people by the 4th of July can't say nothing's happening. Well, we know nothing's happening because we got to get into office in January of 2025 to start doing anything. Okay. And even then it's going to take a while. So I like the fact that they refer to a long time horizon in that respect. I also like it because that's what the left does. And that's what Muslims do. They play the long game decades or centuries. It's been over a hundred years since the communists have tried to take down America and given us a Marxist totalitarian government that we have today. So yes, great on all of it. However, because when we Timbo, there's always going to be a however. However, I would caution people who aren't signatories to the letter to stand down, sit down, Sit back and watch. Just watch. Because this, to use the language of the 51 intelligence community members that said that the Trump dossier had all the hallmarks of a Russian disinformation campaign. Well, this has all the hallmarks of a government psyop honey trap just like january 1st so don't take it upon yourself to try to achieve retribution or to get involved in any way stand down sit down sit back and watch this is going to be a show worth watching i think adam yeah no, that's a good point. All good points, Timothy. Uh, it also, you know, it, this does actually send a nice message. I mean, and it is a signal to how we should approach things moving forward. Yeah. Um, so I, I hope this is a copy paste kind of thing. Um, and yeah, always be careful, uh, be mindful. Uh, but, you know, if it's not a PSYOP, then double, triple kudos to all of the signatories involved because they're really sticking their necks out there, aren't they, by putting themselves on a very convenient list to a small handful of the powers that be, as it were, Timothy. So They, they sure are, and, and good on them. And, and Adam, if it works, lather, rinse, repeat, baby. We need to do this over and over in every executive department. And then, of course, we got to hold the people who are making these promises accountable for their promises well, because of you course. Know, how politicians well, do. <laughs> you know, that's that's our deal at MAGA Institute. We don't endorse anyone. We will certify. But then, you know, we're watching you. We're watching you. A couple politicians have lost their certification. So uh, we always have to watch. We always have to hold them accountable because quiz custodiat ipsos custodies who guards the guardians. Well, ultimately, it's we the people. Thanks for a great story to kick off the new year. You're listening to The Reckoning on TNT Radio.
TNT Radio's Chris Smith. Despite being used to protect travellers from terrorists, hijackers or violent drunks or those who were drugged out as they board, and this has been going on since 1961, they won't be around this Thanksgiving. None of them. Air marshals were always meant to be invisible. Well, you can guarantee that this Thanksgiving. Ironically, the Biden administration has been hijacking air marshals for all kinds of other duties, leaving the passengers they were meant to guard and protect completely helpless. Air marshals have been lumbered with assisting the chaos on the southern border. They might be called air marshals, but an unknown number are now seconded to work on the ground. Maybe they're ground marshals now, marshalling illegal immigrants on the border and doing the job supposedly meant for the United States Customs and Border Protection. Where are they? Chris Smith on TNT Radio. I wanted to alleviate my pain. I also didn't want to be who I was. I always just felt like there was just something wrong with me and I was trying to figure it out and I used the internet to help me do that. Seemingly out of nowhere, we've suddenly seen a huge spike in media depictions and social media depictions of transgenderism. It's even reached the mainstream advertising world. The people who are consuming this are children, 13, 14, 15 years old. And it's so easy for them to literally be groomed. I just woke up one day, looked at myself in the mirror, and asked myself, what the heck am I doing? When trans-identified kids are referred to specialized gender clinics, they're often told that they're going to get comprehensive, multidisciplinary mental health assessments. We know that that's not true. I was easy to manipulate. The ideology that has become dominant at these clinics is that trans kids know who they are, and therefore to question them is completely taboo. My childhood was ruined. Who's there for their detransitioning? Nobody. Nobody would help me because they had more concerns of me reversing everything. Did this thing to alleviate this gender dysphoria that wasn't there before, but you made it into a problem, and now your body image issues are worse. That's not supposed to happen. What do we do now? D-Trans, the dangers of gender-affirming care. For more information, go to PragerU.com. CO2 sustains all life on Earth, but now it's in long-term decline. We face the return of an ice age. We mandate that the truth be told. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT like to welcome to the reckoning for the first time Hervoye Morich show the Hervoye Morich show airs right after this one so you're not going to go, want to go anywhere tonight you've got three hours of Hervoye Hervoye is a graduate of the Geneva Switzerland School of Diplomacy he's a former professor of international relations he is a Croat American Mexican. So we're going to dig into that a little bit. I'd like to welcome to the reckoning for the first time, Hervorje Morich. Hey, it's great to be here. And I know you recently were uh, as well uh, on my program. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I'm really happy to have you here on mine. So first, you got to tell us your your life story. How does how does a Croatian national get to Mexico by way of America? Or, or slightly the reverse. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm born in Chicago, uh, Illinois. Oh, but, but I didn't realize dad, that. The, it, it, most people don't. I, I, I make it confusing on purpose. But uh, the, 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 <laughs> the problem is, I identify first 
as a Croat, even though I'm born in the U.S. Uh, okay. And so I was I was raised bilingual, speaking Croatian and English in Illinois. Uh, and and my my name literally means Croat. Uh, and so um, and I, I I we did move back and forth between U.S. and Croatia. And I, I immediately became a Croatian citizen as well. You know, de facto, when your parents are Croatian, you are as sure. well. Yeah. Uh, and so. Uh, yeah, basically grew up like that. And then um, in 2010, I came to Mexico with no plans and, and then um, just ended up staying, marrying Mexican, uh, having Mexican, American, Croatian kids and uh, became a Mexican, naturalized Mexican citizen in 2018. And I take it serious, you know, like I think as, as anyone should, you know, whenever they receive any citizenship, I'm really proud to be Mexican uh, also. So, <laughs> yeah, and that's the way it should be. In fact, Irvorye. Do you know what immigration laws I want for the United States? That the, the, uh, they should speak English at least. I, I'm no, I want Mexico's. I want Mexico's immigration laws. In Mexico, a non-citizen cannot own property within ten kilometers of the ocean. A Mexican, a non-Mexican, cannot own a corporation outright. More than fifty percent. I just want those rules. Just, just have those rules. But somehow, if we implemented Mexico's rules, we'd be racist, we'd be xenophobic. And the problem in our southern border isn't Mexico. Mexico's actually been a great ally, other than, you know, helping to control the, the cartels. The cartels are the real problem at the southern border. But we've got we've got people coming here illegally, which is why we call them illegals. They have committed a crime just by stepping foot onto our soil illegally from 140 different nations okay so if these people are refugees first of all they can't be claiming asylum because the law the international law of asylum says that you have to go to the first safe country near to the conflict where you're escaping well america's not close to gaza it's not close to afghanistan it's not close to africa it's not close to asia we've also got tens of thousands of Chinese nationals coming here. All these people coming here. If it, you know, people say, oh, but well, they're just looking for a better way of life. Well, if they're looking for a better way of life, how are they able to afford to get to Central or South America, make their way up to the so Southern border, pay the coyotes tens of thousands of dollars and come here illegally? How, how's that happening? What's the perspective from Mexico? Well, I was um, talking recently with some Mexicans here, and um, even they uh, are complaining about the migration because they're complaining that not all of these illegal migrants are getting into the U.S., and some of them are having to stay behind uh, in Mexico and stay here. And so even the Mexicans now, do we call the Mexicans racist as well? Uh, they're, they're unhappy with so many illegals, you know, the ones that can't make it across the border sticking it out and here in Mexico. And so they're, they're, they were complaining about that. And, uh, you know, I was talking with some others as well um, over the past couple of days that this is, you know, a deliberate plot or ploy by NGOs, by supranational international governmental organizations. Um, we've seen the maps now, you know, Red Cross, UN, dishing out uh, debit cards that are helping to finance mm -hmm. these people. I've, I've some of the people that I've interviewed down in Panama. Uh, have said that they've seen Red Cross NGO maps that help these people all along. So you've actually got the international governmental organizations that are supposed to uphold international law. They're supposed to be our saviors committing illegal acts, as you said, like it's illegal to f facilitate illegal, illegal uh, 
migration. And so I think we're, if we haven't already crossed the Rubicon, we're about to, uh, in terms of, um, it's, it's, this is going to change, you know, the American demographics for, for a long time to come. Well, and that's the goal right there. And that's what Ted Kennedy's objective was with the 1966 Immigration Act, which loosened up immigration. And they swear up and down that illegals aren't going to be able to vote. And, oh, we're going to give them driver's licenses. But they're not going to use the driver's licenses as ID to be able to vote because voter ID is illegal. And what do they do? They use the driver's licenses as ID to register to vote. And, you know, we, we've known what their plan is all along, especially since they come out and they say that replacement theory is a racist insecurity of heterosexual white males and it's a complete conspiracy theory no that's it's 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 what the actual plan is and you don't have migrants coming here carrying the flags of their native countries you don't have asylum seekers and refugees marching into the country by the hundreds of thousands only military age men, I might add. There aren't many women and children coming uh, with this latest push. And there's there's been several waves over the last few years that have solely been military age men unaccompanied by women and children carrying flags of their native countries. That's not immigration. That's an invasion. And every single naturalized citizen friend of mine from Switzerland, from Asia, from Vietnam, from Australia, from all around the world, all of my friends that came here and went through the immigration system legally, every single one of them considers this to be a slap in the face by the Biden administration. Oh, yeah, most uh, most definitely. And, and just to go back, you mentioned driver's license. I was going to mention this story today. California maybe you've already covered it but california becomes first state to offer health insurance to all yeah. illegal migrants taxpayers forced to fork out three billion per year and uh again that's a, another slap in the face because as a u.s citizen um you know this is one of the things i i don't have health insurance here in mexico uh, you know my wife does because in, in general health care private health care is not as expensive you can still squeeze by sure but in the u.s if you're a u.s citizen i mean you got to pay i know people who work full-time jobs in the u.s j just for health insurance uh, yeah. and, and now yeah. we're going to dish it out to non-citizens which is absolutely... i've got that beat and i want to get into it right after the news you're listening to the reckoning on tnt radio TNT radio news hi everybody so many crazy news stories going on right now the news. Go. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. Japan is currently on high alert for potential additional earthquakes after experiencing over 80 tremors today. This seismic activity includes a major 7.6 magnitude earthquake that struck the main island of Honshu, resulting in at least two fatalities and leaving many trapped under debris. Globally, the arrival of 2024 was celebrated with much fanfare, including fireworks, concerts, and widespread expressions of hope for the year ahead. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab, or Getter? Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Pavoria, you mentioned California now offering illegals health insurance. Massachusetts has gone one better. They want to set up trust funds for children of illegals. Children that are here illegally, they want to set up trust funds 
and invest the money for them so that when they're 18, they'll have a head start on life. My children never got trust funds from the state. Did yours? Do they get trust funds down in Mexico? I'm, I'm guessing that they probably don't. No, it's such an alien uh, idea. And, you know, again, my parents came in legally to the U.S. They worked their butts off uh, to, to, to buy, you know, middle class home. And they always instilled that ethic in me. I don't even like getting stuff for free. I feel like it's cheating in life. Like, I want to earn what I have. And, um, you know, I, I was so proud when I was, we, we, I came back from Croatia at the age of 15, and I, I was when I was put to work by my parents full time in a supermarket, uh, you know, with the per, with the per permission of your parents, you can work at age 15, I right. think 16. And I started pushing shopping carts at six dollars an hour. And I was going to high school full time, working full time from 15 to like 20. To, and I, I paid my way through university. And um, I was so proud because I, I was pushing carts at the, at the, you know, at the bottom rung. And through those five years, I made it up to manager you know, getting paid 15 bucks an hour. And, you know, that's that's like, wow, when you earn your way, uh, but to, to give, and this is unheard of in other countries around the world. Like, I can't imagine uh, in other countries that I've lived in, like Kazakhstan or Mongolia or Croatia, them doing anything like this. This is, this is crazy. It is crazy. And what you just described was the entire purpose behind a minimum wage job. The left loves to say, People can't support a family of four on a minimum wage job. Duh. That's not what minimum wage jobs are for. If you've got a wife and two children to take care of, you better up your game, pal. Minimum wage jobs are for goofy teenagers that don't know how to tie their shoes correctly to get some work experience, learn how to show up on time, learn how to dress properly, learn how to answer a telephone properly, learn how to interact with the public properly. Or for people looking for a little side hustle, a little extra cash, you get a, a minimum wage job. But they're not, they're not supposed to be supporting a family of four. And the idea of $15 an hour to flip a burger is an obscenity. Yeah. And, and you know, even if people do find themselves in these situations, uh, again, like my, my entire family was working, my mother, my father, myself, my sister. Yeah. Uh, and then it, you you still can find a way uh, if you live within your means frugally to, you know, to make it. Uh, although, you know, I, I haven't seen that. It's, it's been 15 years since I left uh, the US. I don't know how it is today. I think it'd be much more harder with the insane inflation and the great reset project that we have, you know, to uh, bring to make neo feudalism great uh, to make feudalism great again and wipe out the middle class. Uh, and so, um, yeah. Well, that's exactly what they're trying to do. And of course, the Biden administration and all their leftic, leftist lunatic mouth uh, sock puppets are saying, oh, inflation is down, inflation is down. Yeah, it's only 7% this year, but inflation's cumulative and it's up over 25% for the Biden administration, right? Because the last year was 8%, the year before it was 10%. So great, now it's 7% and still up 25, things are still 25% more expensive than they were when the Jamoke took office. I mean, uh, and and a lot of the experts that I've uh, had on as well, like Peter Saint Unge, uh, who, who's blown up uh, on, on Twitter, uh, and others, they're saying that inflation um, is, and I've been saying this as well, that this is like the key danger here. And the thing is, it's not it's not so sexy to say you know uh, inflation is this big monster or, or or boogeyman because people want to talk about 
uh, you know, some other form of collapse or or some foreign adversary or or this or that. But it's it's just this you know simple thing of inflation that's really going to erode away people's living standards because if you're middle class. You might lose your job. You might end up losing your, you know, you can't pay your car payment. You, you don't have a means of transport anymore. You lose your rent or, or uh, your, your home. And so you're out on the, out on the street, you're living with, with a family and, you know, step by step, you, you find yourself in that situation. And yeah, as you say, under the Biden regime, um, things are just looking horrible. And this isn't just due to incompetence okay a lot of these people are incompetent because quite frankly they didn't deserve to get into the colleges and universities to which they were admitted they were check the box admits they didn't do any of the rigorous work that you're supposed to do in a university in order to train your mind to think analyze data forecast all those great life skills no these people spent their time gazing at their navels and whining about how much melanin they had in their skin and how everything's unfair. Meanwhile, they've had the red carpet rolled out for them their entire lives. So now they're in high government positions like Karine Jean-Pierre with absolutely no skills to speak of, completely unqualified for whatever their jobs are. And yet they're in charge of running these prog programs. So yes, incompetence plays a role in it. But those are just the minions. Those are just the worker bees. Make no mistake. This was all carefully thought out, war-gamed and strategized years, if not decades ago. This is the planned implosion of the American economy and along with it, the American society. And you know, it, it comes down to globalism, essentially, because I think yeah. the, these globalists, um, they're you know they own the world uh and then th they're trying to create this superstructure now they're done with nations you know i i really love the movie the network which i think came out in the right. 70s i've watched it multiple times there's great scenes in there where one of the big corporate heads gives this a speech where he says there's no more nations you know it's just corporations this is this, this one global corporation and what they're trying to do is now create this new superstructure uh, and then they have to do away with nations and any remaining nations that are that have any uh you know political or economic strength and, and and unity which is western europe and the us because the other countries are, are compliant you know the, the the china china uh russia and countries like that they're more tilted towards authoritarian measures you know i've lived in kazakhstan and that's an authoritarian light the country and so they, they got to do away do away with the United States and that is what they're doing it's it's not it's not looking good and a lot of the people that I talk to on air as well as off air are telling me this yeah I think you're referring to Jeff Daniels I can't recall the name of the movie at the moment but he's on stage uh, speaking at a school and saying how horrible the United States is and this is 10 or 15 years ago maybe more even and he said but you know what we never used to be we used to we used to matter we used to make things we used to have dreams we used to build buildings and bridges and dams and and it really was kind of an elegy for the american century um but this is definitely it's the globalists in league with the communists primarily china to take us down to to knock us down a peg in the words of 2004 presidential candidate john forbes carry the the only man in politics 
about whom I have nothing good to say except that he's tall and he's got a great head of hair and he knows how to marry for money. And 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 speaking of the Chinese, well, and just a correction that that film that you mentioned uh, with Jeff Daniels or that show that applies here, uh, but but more specifically the film that I was discussing is called Network and it's from 1976. It's an American satirical uh, it's drama. A, yeah, People. that that's about the TV network, and and he ends up Blake Edwards ends up leaning out the window and saying the iconic lines, "I'm mad as hell and I'm not going right. to take it yeah. anymore." Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, but going to China, I mean, you're just looking at the headlines uh, today. I'm trying to I'm, I lost it for a second, but uh, China Times put out an article uh, today uh, which says in 2024, the influence and dominance of the West, whether in the Russia-Ukraine conflict or the Israel-Palestine conflict, will continue to decline. You've got the Guardian talking about it's quite possible that the powder keg that America's sitting on will explode over the course of 2024. So you're, you're, you're getting all these signals. And then um, even Intel News has been reporting that Chinese espionage operations are remaining formidable. Uh, and, and one thing that's bothering me sort of is that they talk about how they the Chinese use companies to recruit assets among Chinese expatriates, ethnic Chinese Westerners, and Americans without any ethnic connection to China. And my issue there is I've been seeing uh, in the independent, so-called independent or um, alternative media, um, you know, non-ethnic Chinese, uh, non-ethnic um, uh, Americans who are towing. Um, yeah, they're 100%. totally shilling for the CCP. Yeah, yeah, and it's just kind of like, come on, like you don't even have one criticism of, right. of Beijing or, or or the Kremlin. You know, that's not believable. You know. Well, I had. Uh, I want to dig into China after the break. You're listening to the Reckoning at TNT Radio. The challenges our planet's animals are facing sometimes feel a bit heavy. Uh, animals haven't eaten in a day, two days, they haven't drank anything, they're cold, they're dehydrated. As soon as we started our descent, everywhere I could see was mud, just absolutely mud. So the country has been in prolonged for drought so long, it was like a tinderbox waiting to go up. Okay, very heavy. Each of us wants to be part of the solution, and we can be. Remember that there's good happening right now, at home. All right, we were able to get into the unit and we have all four of your cats. So, uh... Uh, okay. And around the world. For any animal in any disaster. So let's focus on that, right? Be part of the solution. One rescue at a time. Search ifa.org forward slash disaster ready. Kids Cancer Project funds vital research into childhood cancers. And you fund the Kids Cancer Project. Funding research means giving children back their lives. And who knows what kids with cancer could grow up to do. The Kids Cancer Project. Survival starts with science. Donate now. The Kids Cancer Project. Political neutrality, not with Timothy Shea. This is The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Havoria, we opened the China can of worms, so we might as well dive headfirst in. China's a serious problem. We've got 25,000 Chinese national students at the Ohio State University in Columbus, Ohio, and each and every one of them is a member of the Chinese Red Army. Okay, make no mistake. And they're in 
they dominate our graduate programs in physics, in high technology, in materials technologies. And there's a big problem with Chinese nationals using cutout LLCs to buy farmland in Western Nebraska that are uncomfortably close to our missile silos. And it's a real problem in the country. They're, they've distorted, completely distorted the real estate market in Canada. Canadians in Eastern Canada can't afford homes because the Canadians in Western Canada can't afford homes because the Chinese have bought up all the houses around Vancouver and in British Columbia, now into Alberta. And it's distorting the market nationwide up there. Uh, it, it's a planned, incremental, slow, steady, patient assault on Western values, on Western culture. They want to be the global hegemon. And how do we stop them? That's a good question. I mean, and just to add to that, I was reading today because of NAFTA rules or NAFTA 2.0 USMCA, which I think is the is the foundation for the North American Union if they ever get to it. But it was mm -hmm. talking about today how China's moving in here to Mexico. They're building um, uh, EV manufacturing plants and that because of NAFTA rules, this will allow them to manufacture the EVs in Mexico and then uh, import them to the U.S., you know, undercutting. Not that I'm a fan of EVs, but, you know, uh, they would undercut sure. U.S. US uh, competition and manufacturing. And, uh, you know, I when it comes to China, my view is that they're taking um, advantage uh, of us declining and them rising. So it's not like I, I kind of like pin all of the world's evils on Beijing. So they're, they're taking um, advantage of this opportunity, but also... I think they're doing it under the auspices with the assistance of the globalists. You know, we've seen um, Rockefeller, you know, way back in the 60s and 70s and, and you know, Kissinger um, make inroads into China. And I think onboard them onto the onto this global technocracy. And they probably made deals uh, where, you know, if you guys play your hands right, we're going to kind of help you. Uh, rise up because we kind of like your authority, more authoritarian, scientific dictatorship, technocratic flavor of, of of government, which is what they want. You know, algocracy. The globalists really want rule by algorithm, uh, using AI uh, software and, and and surveillance. They've said it themselves in their white papers. Like they want right. this totalitarian yep. control, and China China is most uh, pliable for that model. And as you say, it's being exported to uh, the rest of the world. A lot of this uh, surveillance technology. You're absolutely right. That's exactly what they want. They make no bones about it. They're open They're They know that there will be no consequences anymore because we live in a post consequences world. So they're just open about it. It's like, yeah, we're going to do this. Stop us. You know, it's almost like the New England Patriots back in the heydays with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. People were upset that they were, quote unquote, running up the score because they were winning games 48 to 10 or 54 to 7. Belichick had the great come back he said it's it's not against the rules to play defense you know and uh i don't blame the chinese either china's gonna do what china's gonna do i blame the american politicians that made this happen richard nixon said his greatest mistake as president wasn't the cover-up of the cia operation that was watergate that was a bloodless political assassination but the thing that he regretted was opening the door to china and George W. H. W. Bush, and and then his son giving China most favored nation status. We've done this to ourselves, and the people who did it to us 
knew exactly what they were doing because Hervoye, this latest election cycle reveals every single thing that they think. They don't hate Donald Trump. They fear us. They have to keep Donald Trump off the ballot at all costs because they don't want us to have the ability to reelect him. They hate democracy. They, they sing its praises when they're able to manipulate it for their own ends. But as soon as it gets a little bit out of their control and we decide that we want somebody in there that isn't going to be best for them, all of a sudden that person can't appear on the ballot. I don't blame China at all. I blame the people right here at home. I, and I'd agree with you. And um, answering what you asked earlier, the, the solutions, and I think there are a number of things that we need to do. Um, we need to rebuild uh, America manufacturing uh, industry. I'm a big fan of Jocko Willink, uh, the ex-US Navy SEAL. He's got a podcast, and he's now getting involved with American companies like um, clothing, jeans, and other stuff where they want to you know they're building a clothing company and they want you to buy it's going to cost a little bit more initially but you know buy american jeans rather than jeans produced in, in china vietnam or or elsewhere uh so we need to really re rebuild the industry you know during world war ii america was i think manufacturing was like 30 something percent and now we're down to like 10 11 uh percent and china's making everything uh, and then we have to take um agency again and i think uh isolationism a, a bit of it would help us as well we need to pull away from these foreign adventures uh, take those resources and pull them back and focus on us uh and, and i you know i don't think by doing that we're going to be in any more danger from you know our adversaries they, they probably would leave us alone and we need to rebuild the economy and society and and uh culture and, and just Forget about the rest of the world for a good, you know, number of years. Yeah, and it's really a national security issue, okay? Because guess what? Most of the hardware and software that controls our electrical grid, guess where it's made? All they have to do is flip a switch because if you don't think they have backdoors built into that software, you're just living in some cartoon cuckoo land fantasy world because of course they do. All software engineers put backdoors into all software, period. Even, even the Department of Defense systems have back doors. So we have to start declaring that food is a national strategic asset. Port facilities are a national strategic asset. Railroads, highway construction companies, dam, you know, civil engineering companies, these are all national strategic assets. I'm from Syracuse, New York. We manufactured all of the penicillin used by our GIs in World War II, right here in East Syracuse at Bristol-Myers, which is now uh, Bristol-Myers Squibb. And now there's no manufacturing there. We made transmissions for Mopar cars, Chrysler products. We had carrier air conditioning. We had a whole host of manufacturing that's no longer here. It's not just about jobs. It's about being self-sufficient. You cannot even buy an aspirin or a vitamin C tablet in the United States without relying on either China or India. We don't even make the precursors for the drugs. Even if we make things here, the raw materials are coming from elsewhere. First of all, we don't know whether they've been adulterated. There have been significant poisoning problems with, especially with, you know, children's toys and consumer goods, et cetera because of lax 
environmental and manufacturing controls in China. So the goods themselves might be suspect. It might be nefarious. You know, what better way to destroy a nation than all of a sudden turn off its pharmaceuticals? China doesn't even have to do anything except to stop to sell to us. Think of how many people, and I say it all the time, if your prescription can be refilled, it's not a cure. Think of how many people rely on a monthly uh, prescription refill, and all of a sudden, you can't get your prescription refilled? Imagine the headcount that's going to cause. And China doesn't have to do anything. They just have to not sell to us. It's a very dangerous situation. Uh, I had on my TNT show last year, expert Stephen Starr, where we talked about nuclear issues, um, EMPs and the electric grid mm -hmm. and the, the transponders, which are not made in America anymore. And so if something right. happens to the grid um, and they're so heavy uh, and, and, you know, basically we'd, we'd be in a Mad Max situation. So, you know, that's one example. Uh, and, and on my podcast some years ago, I interviewed, I'm a big fan of Purism. Uh, they sell uh, laptops and, and now uh, cell phones, uh, computers and, and, and stuff like that, that are Linux based. Um, and they sell different versions of their, um, I think, laptops and, and phones now, where one of them they they they've I think hacked like the BIOS as, as you were talking about like the the Intel uh, chip has backdoors but I think they've kind of done away with that and they sell an American version that's much more expensive but again it kind of goes to what we're talking about where they've um, the, all of the components that they've gotten from within the U.S. and not from China so you can buy an American-made uh, system uh, with American. Uh, you know, all all of us, all of the stuff that goes into the, the to the chips and all and all that that's not from China that would be safer. Of course, there's a premium for that, but I think people need to start, uh, you know, voting with their wallet, so to speak, and and supporting companies like Purism, what Jocko Willink is doing, uh, so we can get 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 uh, things, you know, industry restarted uh, in America. Well, look, if people are going to pay extra for organic produce, they can pay extra for American genes and American. Uh, high-tech equipment, et cetera. I'm all about it. I, I was never a union guy, I primarily because of the association, the, the takeover of the unions by either organized crime or uh, leftists, but I repeat myself. Um, but I remember those textile workers ads, right? I'm sure you remember them from when you were a boy in Chicago. Look for the union label, right? We don't look for the union label. We don't even look for the Made in America label anymore. But more and more people want to. It's just that there aren't enough goods out there. But I think we need to encourage American manufacturing. And yeah, let's be patriotic and pay a couple bucks extra for an American product that's going to be well-made. See, that's the key. It's got to be of equal or superior quality. It's going to be well-made manufactured here in the U.S., which is going to employ Americans and add to our tax base. And and we are already seeing, um, you know, the whole nearshoring uh, effect. Uh, some production is moving away from China to some of their neighbors. And a lot, in many ways, Mexico is a big, big winner uh, right now. I'm seeing a lot of uh, putting the, the security situation aside. Mexico just jumped to 12th biggest economy, jumped up two notches. And so a lot of that stuff is coming. Uh, it's coming closer to America's, you know, you know, one one step removed here here in Mexico. But that's still, you know, one positive uh, aspect. But yeah. And, you know, we, we need more entrepreneurs uh, and, and to support people 
doing this this uh, sort of stuff. Exactly. Not, I'm not picking on Mexico here. I'm not speaking with specificity to Mexico, but one of the problems is that Chinese is using other countries as cutouts. So even though it says made in Vietnam or made in Pakistan or made in Mexico or made wherever, oftentimes it's a Chinese company that controls the company in those countries that's manufacturing and, and shipping the product. So that's one of the ways that they're getting around tariffs that's what the way they got around tariffs in the trump administration it's so it's a way of them cloaking what their their true power is because this is an economic power it's an actual threat to us we did we just see yeah i think we saw um it's over the weekend uh Millet, javier Millet of uh, argentina formally uh officially reject the BRICS. so you know he's saying no to a lot of the Chinese, um, I guess, um, trade uh, deals and whatnot. So, you know, that, that's one example. But I was uh, not long ago when, when you spoke on my program, I happened to be in Colima, Mexico, which is on the West Coast, um, uh, on the Pacific. And that's one of the, the big ports where Chinese um, goods come in. And there's a decent Chinese presence there in uh, Colima. And so I think a few years ago, you know, th th there was trouble where Chinese uh, business people were doing business not totally uh legally and so, here in mexico and so there, there there were um issues so uh yeah and let's be very clear we're not we're not speaking against the chinese people we're speaking against the the government and and the government's agents right so those those twenty five thousand students at ohio state university those are those are government agents in my in my book but the chinese people we actually want the best for them which would be for them to have autonomy and agency over their own lives for, for every uh nation and uh yeah same thing you know e even for ourselves here in america i'm uh th the same um anger that i have for my american government and mexican and croatian uh we're You've sort got of three governments to hate right right uh, <laughs> and and we're, we're sort of expressing for the the chinese government and i've been in china i was there there 2004 spent three weeks there went all over the place great um in many ways great place to be um the food was good the people were nice although i have sensed with some of these up-and-coming chinese that i've met i've some of them have been co-workers as well that the, the ones that, at least that are more um middle to upper class that they do have this growing um sentiment of superiority like they sense it's yeah. their time now uh, 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 and they kind of you, you can sense that they kind of feel better than you s some of them and of course the Americans are the same way some some of the Americans were um, um believe in the American uh you know go to one extreme when it comes to American exceptionalism so well that's why you know they call Donald Trump a, a xenophobe it's like wait a second he said make America great again but in the, he also said but I want Mexico I want the Mexican president to be Mexico first I want him to make Mexico great again and I want the United Kingdom prime minister to make the UK great again. And it, he wants nation states, strong nation states, where people are entering the international realm, looking out for their own citizens. And one of the things over the weekend, just quickly, Malay was photographed flying commercial. And they asked him afterwards, he said, well, I was going on vacation. That's not a fit part of my office. So no, I used my own money. We need more politicians like that. Hervorier, Thanks so much for coming on. Stay right here for the Havorier Morris Show. He's on for another two hours on TNT Radio. That's it for tonight's Reckoning. I'm Timothy Shea. Until next time, 
God bless you. God bless these United States. Keep fighting the good fight.